Now let's go to the, the next part today. Uh, we're talking about the Apostle Paul ministry. The Apostle Paul ministry. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now this past, this past week, uh, God gave me some things. There have been some things. Thank you very much. There have been some things that God has given me. Uh, and I'm getting to those things now uh, in this series. Thank you so very much. Make sure the heater's on, not the acidus. Okay. All right. Acts chapter 26 and verse number 18. Paul ministry, number one, with the opening eye. Number two, turn them from darkness to light. Turn them from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. All right. Now, what I want to do is I want to go to the 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17 uh, through verse number 24. Well, we're going to get our subject. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, uh, verse 17 through 24. As the Apostle Paul now is going to go to the church at Corinth, and this is going to be his message. God put the book of Romans first, but the book of Romans really was last in the Apostle Paul ministry. But he put it first because it's the doctrinal book. It's the book where you know how to be saved. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 17. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number uh, 17. Let's read that verse, verse 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made in none effect. Somebody said the cross of Christ. Oh, don't forget that word, the cross of Christ. All right, and verse number 18 says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it's the power of God. So the preaching of the cross is the power of God. Right. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, I will bring the not the understanding of the prudent, where the wise, where the scribes, where the disputers of this world, hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. The foolishness of preaching, the preaching what? Preaching the cross. Because the cross is the power of God. But it's not just any cross. It's the cross of Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. Now in verse number uh, 21, once again, for after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save now, to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Now he tell you about crucifixion. Uh, crucified. We preach Christ. Verse 18 said the preacher of the cross. But verse 23 said we preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews a stumbling block, unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are saved, I'm sorry, called, I'm sorry, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Say that with me, Christ, Christ. the power of God, power. and the wisdom of God. All right, now, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name this teaching because I already taught you in part one. In part one, we dealt with uh, Acts chapter 26 and verse 18. Open the Gentile eyes. That was the first thing Paul had to do. Well, how was he going to do that? <coughs> Excuse me. How was he going to open the Gentiles' eyes? He had to preach the gospel of Christ. See, this is why this message is so important. And the, and the Gentiles had to believe the gospel, and then God would open the eyes. Now, he's not talking about physical eyes. He's talking about the heart. So you got to understand that. Matter of, fact, matter of fact, I'll take it there just a moment. I'll go to the book of Acts chapter 16, verse 14. We'll look at that just a moment. Uh, 11 through 14, I'm sorry. We just do those verses. And then I talked about 
last week, uh, two weeks ago, how did God open your eyes? Because we gave you in the Gospel of John chapter 9 that God opened the eyes of a blind man in John chapter 9, and he had to explain how did God open his eyes. The man said he, he spit on the ground. He made clay of the spittle. You see, he, he had the whole thing. He knew exactly how God opened his eyes, but all that was parables. You have to know how God opened your eyes. All right? Now, the next thing we talked about last week was let there be light. Now, that's why Paul came to preach the word of God. Jesus, when he started out, we showed you that in Matthew 4 and 1 in the next few verses in Matthew 4. We showed you when Jesus came, he preached the gospel of the kingdom. But the key is he preached the gospel of the kingdom to them that sat in darkness. The Bible said they had seen a great light. See, the, the, that's what the gospel of Christ is, the great light. So that's why I told you about underlining that word, a light in darkness, a light from heaven. See, all that is letting you know he's talking about the gospel of Christ. Because that's what John, that's what John, uh, uh, the man in John chapter 9 saw. That's what Paul saw, a light from heaven. And that's the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ is that light from heaven. Somebody say amen. That's who Christ is. So we're going to talk about Christ is God's mighty power. Say that with me. Christ, Christ. is God's mighty power. Yeah. Now, you have to know, when well, you're going to preach Christ, why did Paul preach Christ? Because Christ is God's power. See, that's why I read you verse 24. Verse 18 says, the preacher of the cross. Verse 23 says, we preach Christ crucified. Verse 24 says, Christ the power of God. So when you're preaching the cross of Christ or you're preaching uh, Christ crucified, you're preaching the cross of Christ. Or as another word, it's called the gospel of Christ. Let me show you that, Romans 1.16. So the good news is the good news about Christ, about Christ's crucifixion, about Christ's cross. See, all that's what he's talking about. Christ's death, Christ's burial, Christ's resurrection. Now you got to know this because you got to know what is God's power. If you're going to get things done in a new covenant, you got to know what? You got to know what's God's power. If you're going to get a man saved, only thing can get a person saved in the new covenant is preaching to him Christ's death, Christ's burial, and Christ's resurrection. You have to know what happened. Christ was crucified on the cross. Christ died for our sin. Christ was buried. Christ was raised from the dead. And God gave us the blood of Christ. So you have to understand, that's what you must understand. And when you start talking about resurrection, God raised Christ from the dead. So you have to understand the gospel. This is what Paul is preaching. So you have to understand what the word of God is saying. Romans chapter 1, we are there now. In Romans chapter 1, I'm going to start reading verse 15. Back at the verse 15. Romans chapter 1 and verse 15 says, Paul says, So much is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel unto you that I at Rome also. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. So you have to know what you're preaching. You're just not preaching the gospel of the kingdom. In the gospel of the kingdom, they preach Jesus. Let me say it again. When you preach the gospel of the kingdom, it's all about Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it was all about Jesus. When you preach the gospel of the kingdom, Christ has not been revealed. So you are preaching parables and you are preaching the word, but it is concealed. When you preach Christ, the word is revealed. And you got another difference. If I preach to you, Jesus, I cannot get you saved. It was not in your dispensation. 
In your dispensation, the dispensation of grace, you got to preach Christ. You got to be able to let people see Christ in your message. You got to be able to know, know that your message is about Christ. It's after the cross. The only reason Peter was saved in the, in the gospel of Matthew 16, 13, they asked him, who do men say, I, watch this, the son of man am. Who am I? Look at Matthew 16 on the screen. They go to ask him, who do men say I, the son of man am? Some say you're a liar. Some say Jeremiah. Some say a prophet. But then Jesus is going to look at him in the face and say, who do you say that I am? That's how they were saved. And he's going to say, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. See, that's, that's salvation. Salvation is knowing who Jesus is. So if you only know him as Jesus, then you have not known him as Christ. You got, that was in their gospel. They have to, you was living in that covenant, you have to know that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the son of God. That was their salvation. Your salvation is to believe what God has done. Let me show you what he's done. Uh, well, after I get here, I go to Romans, I go to the book of Acts, I'm sorry, and I go to Acts chapter 3, what Peter preached. Acts chapter 2, I'm sorry, and I'm going to show you what Peter preached. We're going to key on verse 36 when I get there. Acts chapter 2. All right, Romans chapter 1, verse 15, once again, we want to make sure this is on the screen. It's so much as in me, Paul says, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that is at Rome. What gospel, Paul? I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why is it called the gospel of Christ? Because it's Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. It is called the gospel of Christ. It's what God has done. God has come and finished his work. Christ has died for our sins. He's buried and raised again from the dead. It is called the gospel of Christ. For the gospel of Christ is the power of God on the salvation. So I'm going to show you Look, put the, another scripture down. Now I gave you, these in, in you got to keep them in order now. Matthew 22, 29. The gospel of John chapter 20 and verse 9 after that. Matthew 22, 29. The gospel of John chapter 20 and verse 9. So you got to know what the power of God is. That's what I'm telling you. Christ, say Christ, Christ. is the power of God. Power. It's not just God's power, it's God's mighty power. All right, now, for I'm not ashamed, watch what Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God, watch this, on the salvation. You can't be saved. So I want you to hear me real good. You cannot be saved if you don't preach Christ crucified. Let me say it again. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they could not be saved unless they believed on the name of the Son of God. They had to believe Jesus Christ was the Son of God. They had to believe Jesus was the Christ to be saved. They just couldn't believe in Jesus. And there's millions and millions of people. They said, well, I just believe in Jesus. That's, you just, all you do is believe in Jesus. You'll be all right. No. You got to believe in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Old Covenant, which was the dispensation of the kingdom. Before the, after the dispensation of the law, there's the dispensation of the kingdom. So you have, they had to believe that Jesus is the Christ. He's the son of the living God. That was Matthew 16, 13. But now in the gospel of, in the new covenant for the gospel of grace, you got to believe in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection to be saved. Don't be deceived. All right, Romans chapter 1 and verse number 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God under salvation. Or, or the power of God to save you to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. What well, Christ is the righteousness of God. So when you preach Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, the righteousness of God is revealed. All Christ is revealed from faith to faith, and it is written, the just shall live by faith. That's why they knew they could not get faith unless you preach the word of God. The word of God is Christ. 
When you're not preaching Christ, you're not even preaching the word of God. Because Christ is the word of God. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. That's who Christ is. He is the word of God. That's why he is almighty. Because he's the word of God. Put down three verses. I just told you to go two places. Let's do those first. I gave you that after. I gave you that's the second thing I gave. Matthew what? I gave you Matthew 16, 13 already. That was on the screen. It was something else I gave you. Acts. Acts 2.36, thank you. Then I said Matthew 22.29. All right, keep my notes in order now. All right, let's go to the book of Acts. See, I'm saying it not to be smart. This is how God teach me. He give me something, he said keep it in order. I just can't put, change the order. It's, it won't be what God told me. Let me say it again. When God tell you something, you got to say it like that. If not, it won't be what God told you. All right, Acts chapter number 2, and we're going to start reading with verse 33. We'll go back there. Acts chapter 2, verse 33. Are you there? Therefore, we're going to come to this camera. Acts 2, 30. This is the message that Peter preached to the Jews, to Israel. Verse 33, therefore being by the right hand of God exalted. Now he's telling you what Christ is now. And have received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost. He has shared forth this which you now see in here. For David is not ascended to the heavens, but he said to himself, the Lord. Now this is who Christ is now. He's the what? He's the Lord. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit on my right hand until I make your enemies thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know surely that God. Now, you got to see what God did. See, we, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they could only know him as Jesus. When you have your mind renewed, that's what Paul's talking about in Romans 12 and 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which you're reading and serving, and be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. You, your mind got to be renewed from Jesus to Christ. So if you can only see him as Jesus, you only see him as a natural man. Let me say it again. When you can only see him as Jesus, you can only see him as a natural man. He's not a natural man no more. He's not the man from Nazareth and Galilee. That's how they saw him in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He's the light from heaven. He's brighter than the noonday sun. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. But you got to understand, that's who Christ is now. Here's another verse to write down, Matthew 28, 18. When Jesus raised from the dead, he said something to his disciples. We'll show you when we get there. Acts chapter number 2. And verse number 33. Therefore, being by the right hand of God, exalted. I say he's exalted now. Have received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost. He has now shared forth with this which you now see. David is not ascended to the heaven, but he said, the Lord, this is what David called him, the Lord said to my Lord, sit thou on my right hand until I make thy enemy thy footstool. Therefore, Israel, that all the Israel know sure that God has made that same Jesus. You got to hear this real good. God made the Jesus that you crucified. He's now both Lord and Christ in this house. Can we call him Lord in this house? Can we call him the Christ? See, you said you come here to worship. This is why Paul talked about the people in Acts chapter 17. They didn't know who they were worshiping. 
See, we, we want to worship Jesus, but we don't understand you got to know him now as Lord and Christ. Now, you can see why Paul got in a lot of trouble. Because the Apostle Paul, first of all, was talking to Jews who had been with Jesus for three and a half years. And they were so used to him as just Jesus because they ate with Jesus every day. They broke bread with Jesus. Every day they went to the temple to see Jesus. So that name was very common to them. And like I said before, it was the name of a slave, but we're not even talking about that. He went from slave to the manifestation of the Godhead. But they only knew Jesus. He was a common name. Hey, Jesus. Let me give you an illustration. I hope it's not controversial, uh, to, to you this name uh, but if you was a friend of Barack Obama is all right that's not confidential if I could use Barack Obama now before he was senator he was just hello Barack hello Mr. Obama he went to college with him, went to, went to school with him. He was just Barack. But once he became a senator of Illinois, now he's Senator Obama. So if I honor him, I call him Senator Obama. But one day, he ran for president. And he won. Now once he was honored, once he was the president of the United States. I would dishonor him if I just walked into his office and said, good morning, Barack. Or if I came on television as an announcer and said, I want you all to listen to what Barack said this morning. It would be a dishonor because he's not just Barack no more. He's not just Senator Barack from Illinois, but he also now is the President of the United States of America. And he, is, he has the power over every state. He is the President of all the United States of America. So if I'm going to honor him, I must call him Mr. President. So when you get ready to see something, uh, there's a man, a woman, who is the house, over the house, Nancy Pelosi in our situation. And she carried what you call the gavel. Now, if you notice with the gavel, they have the president, when they have this thing and all the people comes in the door, the president, everybody fills up the place. And when the president time to come in, she takes the gavel and she takes it and she says, Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States of America. And everybody stands. And he opened the door and then organ started playing and he started walking, shaking hands, coming down the aisle. Wonder why they do him like that. It was nobody but Barack. He was just a senator from Illinois a few days ago. But once he became the President of the United States, he moved into a different position. So because of that, you give him honor. See, that's how they did Jesus. They'd been with Jesus for three and a half years. So all they knew was Jesus. See, I'm saying this because I want our minister to change. I don't want just me to change. I want the minister to change. I want the people of the minister to change. It doesn't do any good if you don't change. He's not just Jesus no more. Acts chapter 2, verse 36, put it up there again. The Bible said God. We're talking about the Father God. He made his son, the same one that they crucified. He brought him into a different position. He sent him in the heavenly places. He put him on the throne of his glory. And he said to everybody, let all the angels worship him. Let all creation worship him. This is my son. I have made him both Lord. Put it on the screen. 
He's now Lord. Do you know who the Lord is? When Abraham came into his ministry, when you look at the Bible in the book of Genesis, there's nowhere you will find the word Lord. You're only going to find God. In the second chapter of the book of Genesis, you're only going to find Lord God. But when you get into Genesis chapter 3, after man has messed up, Genesis chapter number 4 and verse 1. Put it on the screen. So you got to understand when God made Jesus Lord, that means he gave him back who he was before he came to earth. There's no way in the world you will meet God from heaven and don't fall on your face and say he's Lord. Look at the book of Genesis. I want you to see him because you can't worship him if you don't know him. Genesis chapter 4. So that's why you read Genesis 1, you're only going to hear God, 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 God. But Adam messed up in Genesis chapter 3. And guess who he needed? Genesis chapter number 4, verse 1. I'm waiting on the screen. In the Genesis chapter 1, Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived, and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten me a man from the Lord. All of a sudden, you see the Lord. Why? Because Adam messed up. So when you really realize who he is, you will call him Lord. In my Bible, he's called the Word of God. Let's go look at it. Revelation chapter 19, verse 13. See, this is what we got. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. The Bible called him both Lord and Christ. Now, he's not just Lord. He's Lord of Lords. We're talking about, the, we're talking about giving honor to the highest person who can have power in the visible and invisible realm. I want us to understand this ain't no game. If you're going to ever go to church and begin to worship and to praise him, you got to realize who he is. You can't sing to somebody who you don't know. You can't pray to nobody that you don't know. If you only see him as a man, he can't help you. Unless you're in the same country he's in. You go back and look at it. When Jesus was here, who did he help? He helped the Jewish people. The Bible says he came to his own. He helped the Jewish people. He couldn't do nothing for the other folk in other states and other countries. Because he was in the flesh. So when you talk about him in the flesh, that you limited him. But when he's Lord, he's everywhere at the same time. Not only that, he has all power. Let me give you three words. Omnipotent. Where we were going, we'll get there. Omnipotent. O-M-N-I-P-O-N. O-M-N-I-P-O-T-E-N-T, right? That means he is all-powerful. See, this is who Christ is now. This is who God is. That's why the Bible says, Acts 2.36, he made this same Jesus whom you crucified, he made him who? Both Lord and Christ. Now he is omnipotent. He is now almighty and all-powerful. And I know you can sit there and say, well, he was almighty and all-powerful. That's fine. Just, just play game with God. That's okay. It doesn't mean that he wasn't God, but he was God in the flesh. Let's move on. Omnipotent means almighty and all-powerful. You can put down Acts 4.12. My brother read that this morning. Then you want to write down number two. Omnipotent. Um, 
omniscient. It's just like the word omniscience. But it's called omniscient. O-M-N-I-S-C-I-E-N-C-E. -E. See, this had nothing to be with, this ain't no game. This is not a respect a person message. My job is to teach you who he is. This changed my life. This is why people right now are baptized in Jesus' name. That's why they're still doing it, because they still believe that God's power and favor is in his name, Jesus. And it's not. You're not saved because you were baptized in the name of Jesus. You are saved when God put you in Christ. I'm just giving you the truth. Water can only put you in Jesus, but the Spirit puts you in Christ. And he that has not the Spirit of Christ is none of his. This ain't no game. This is your salvation. Omniscient means all-knowing. Knowledge of all things at once. Christ that lives in you has knowledge of all things at once. We're going to read Hebrews 4.12 in a moment. And then third, omnipresent. Don't forget, write down Matthew 28.18 if I didn't give it to you. Omnipresent. Present every place at the same time. This is who Jesus Christ became when God made him both Lord and Christ. He is ever present. He is everywhere at the same time. That's an awesome thing, man. This is what it means, when Matt, look at Matthew 28. You got those three words? All right, look at Matt, Matthew 28. I know he gave you something else. We'll get to that next. Look at Matthew 28, 18. And see when did this happen. It happened when God raised Jesus from the dead. See, when God raised Jesus from the dead, he made him both Lord and Christ. Matthew chapter 28, verse number 18. And Jesus came and said to him, all power. Jesus came and said to them, watch this, all power is given to me. In heaven and earth. What do that mean? All power has been given to me in the natural realm and in the spiritual realm. That's why you must understand, he's Lord now. He has all power in the natural realm. And he has all power in the heavenly spiritual realm, in heaven and in earth. Look at Hebrews 4.12. All power has been given to him. That's happened after he rose from the dead. But when he rose from the dead, he's not Jesus no more, he's Christ. God made him both Lord and Christ now. That's why the Jews repented. That's why you had an Acts 2.38. Now they asked him, well, what shall we do then? We just killed the Lord. We killed the Prince of Life. But they didn't realize. They didn't know the scripture. That's why I gave you Matthew 22.29 and John 20 and verse 9. We're going to go to those but we're going to go well right now. Hebrew 4.12. So you have to understand, my brother, uh, my, uh, one of my ministers here, Brother Yancey, read this. In Matthew chapter 4, and verse number 12. I'm sorry, Hebrew, I'm looking right at Hebrew. Hebrew 4.12. Hebrew 12 says for the word of God. Now the word of God is Christ. I'm going to show you that in Revelation 19, 13. See, you got to know that when he came here, he was born of a virgin Mary. His name was Jesus. 
That's the child. The child name is Jesus. I don't know you hear me. I said the child. She was found, found this for me. She was found of a child. God called the child Jesus. So if you come to worship Jesus, you're still trying to worship the child. That's why I like, that's why I like Colossians chapter 3. If you be risen with Christ, <laughs> seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above. That's why he said that. What is it? Okay, hold, hold that there. Matter of fact, I just do that right. Let me do, let me do Hebrews here. I'm in Hebrew reading 412. I got a couple of Hebrews. Just hold on to that. No, I'm, a, I'm going to go in order. I said I am anyway, huh? All right, Hebrew 412, here it is. For the word of God. Who is the word of God? The word of God. Now, this is Christ in you now because there's no limit. He is omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent in you. And yet, he's in the next person over there. How many, how many got Christ in them? Look at that. Christ in there, Christ in there, Christ in there. And that's just in this church. Christ is in every state, every county, every city, every town, every nation that people who believe on his death, burial, and resurrection. He's everywhere at the same time. That's what I mean. I'm not here to put down Jesus. I just want to make sure we have put up Christ. I just want you to understand my, my thinking. I'm not here to put down Jesus. I'm here to let you know God has raised him to the highest heights, that the highest clouds, everything, everything. He has set, listen, he set him over his own name. Somebody find that for me. You got to understand something. God put the word over his name. His name is Jesus, but the word now is above the name. That's why Paul called him Christ Jesus. What is it? Psalm 138 and verse 2. Kelly got them scriptures, boy. We're going we to we put, that, put that in line. We're going to shout when we get there. Sound, Reverend. Man, this word here been bunny me up. I didn't sleep at all last night. Hallelujah. All right, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Here we go. For the word of God, somebody said that's Christ. The word of God is quick. How many know what quick means? It's alive. So if you don't know what it is, you put it right there. The word of God is alive. This is the God that's in you. The word of God is alive. And he's what? Powerful. And he's sharper than any two-edged sword. Why, did you, why is he telling you that? Because, the next part of that verse says, even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. The word of God is so powerful. Christ in you is also, he has come inside of you and has put your soul in Christ. The spirit of a living God has placed you in Christ. He has divided asunder your soul and your spirit. Watch the next part. Your joint and your marrow, which is in your flesh. And then he, he's a discerner. He knows the thoughts and intents of your heart. Isn't God awesome? He lived inside of you. But when he came inside of us, what he did was he got in, he came in us, and he came and took my soul and made sure my whole soul is in Christ. And all in my soul, there's the thoughts and the intents of my heart. So when your body dies, the joints and the marrow, when the body dies, God has already saved. He's already sealed my soul. 
So when the body go down, when the ship go down, the soul goes to be with the Lord. You ought to give him praise in this house. The Bible says he has sealed, S-E-A-L-E-D, sealed you with the Holy Spirit, just like a balloon. The only reason a balloon can't go, you won't turn it loose. Did you hear what I just said? If you got a handful of balloons, they'll, they'll blow out your hand and go on somewhere uh, if you turn it loose. So God put you in flesh. And if your flesh will turn your soul loose, you got to see what happens. That's why absent from the body is present with the Lord. That's why your soul got to already be in Christ. So your flesh can't hold you no more. And you got to turn your soul loose. Your soul to be absent from the body. Present with the Lord. It can't do nothing but go back into the spirit realm. That's what it tells you. For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two of the sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of your soul and your spirit, your joints and your marrow, and is a discerner, knows all the thoughts and intents of your heart. Neither is there any creature, not just you, any creature, that is not manifesting in sight. See, he's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's all known. He knows every squirrel, every bird, every rabbit, every animal. And he opened up his hand, the Bible says, and he satisfied the desire of every living thing at one time. All he wants to do is to be honored by the people he worship, who worship him. That's why we give him glory. So when we say he's Lord, we are saying he is seated at the right hand of majesty on high. He is the one in control of my life, your life, and everything else. So I don't know how you sin, but he's my Lord. All right, let's move on. Hebrew chapter number four. And verse number 13, neither there any creature that's not manifesting his sight. But all things, all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him in whom we have to do. See, that's what I gave you, that omnipotent. He is almighty, all-powerful. He's the word of God. He's all-knowing. He's omniscient. He knows all at the same time. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. So that's the, the scripture you can use, Hebrew 4.12. Let's move on. Now let's go get me those ones that I've been longing for. The next is Matthew 22.29. I have to read my own notes that I don't have. We're going to go to Matthew first. 22. Now watch what Matthew is going to say to people. He's talking to the, these people who know the word. So in Matthew chapter 22 and verse number 29. So they, they, they trying to really kiss Jesus, ask him about when somebody married, you know, this person who has so many wives and when he died, who's going to be married to her and all this stuff. So they're trying to kiss Jesus in some, some mess. But Matthew chapter 22 and verse 9. But watch how he's going to come back at him. He said, look, Jesus answered and said to them, you do err. Matthew 22 and 29, that's what we're at. Waiting on the screen. That's what I'm waiting for. Matthew 22 and 29. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You going to wait right here? Matthew chapter 22 and verse 29. Don't touch that dial no more. You just cut me off. Matthew 22, 29. And Jesus answered and said, you do err. You in error. Why? Because you don't know the scriptures. You don't know what the scripture said. See, them guys, all they had to do was know the scripture, they don't know who Jesus is. Let me say it again. If you don't know the scripture, you don't know he's the Christ. If you don't know the scripture, you don't know he's he, the scripture already told you what's going to happen to Jesus. Jesus answered and said unto them, you do earth not knowing the scripture, watch this, nor the power of God. Now I just told you who the power of God is. So that's not hard. But they did not know the scripture. If they had known the scripture, they would have known the power of God. All right, let me show you. Go to John, what he's talking about. 
John chapter number 20. See, the Bible explains itself. John chapter 20, verse 9, when you get this shot, amen. I wait. The Gospel of John, we wait for the stream. I'm always waiting for the stream so I can move on. The Gospel of John chapter 20 and verse number 9. Thank you, Lord. And verse 9, for as yet they knew not the Scripture. This is what John said. They knew not the Scripture. That he, they're going to tell you what the Scripture is talking about. That he must rise again from the dead. See, they didn't know the Scripture. They didn't know he had to rise again from the dead. Let, let me go back and show you a few. Uh, uh, Psalm 16 and 10. See, they didn't know the Scripture. See, if you know the Scripture, you would know who that was. If you would have lived in a day when, when, when Jesus came, you would have known he was the Christ. And you don't know if you killed him, it wouldn't do no good. Psalm 16, 10. Did anybody hear what I just said? If you knew the scripture, you would have walked around and told folk, there's no need of killing that man. Because it's already in the Bible, three days he's going to rise again from the dead. So you might well just leave him alone. Because that ain't no natural man, that's God himself. He's just in flesh. Look at, look at Psalm 16 and verse number 10. All right, on the street. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. This is what the scripture said. But they didn't know what the scripture said. Neither will thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand there's pleasure forevermore. Because that's where he was headed. He was headed to the right hand of the Father. Somebody say amen. Look at Psalm 49 and verse 15. Let's do one more wide win, Psalm. Psalm 49, verse 15. See, they didn't know that he had to rise again from the dead. See, these guys followed him, but they didn't know, they didn't know anything about no Bible. Psalm 49, verse 15. But God, here it is, will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. So you guys are going to kill me and put me in the grave, but the Bible always said that God is going to redeem my soul from the power of the grave for he shall receive me. Let's, let's go look at a couple of these. Uh, you and Psalm, look at 56, 13. Psalm 56, 13. Just walk through the word. Psalm 56 and verse 13. So y'all, you're going to kill me and put me in the ground, but I'm going to rise again. Three days. For Psalm 56 and 13. Thou hast delivered my soul from death. And will, and will thou not deliver my feet from falling that I may walk before the God in the light of the living? I mean, I'm a, you, go, you deliver my soul from death. It's already in the word. So you know it's going to have to happen. Let's look at another one here. We're going to go to. Let me back, let me back up because I want to show you something. What do we do before we did Psalm? Uh, let, let's look at Hosea. Let's, now let Isaiah first. Isaiah 25 and 8. Watch this. Isaiah chapter 25 verse 8. From there I'm going to go to Hosea 13, 14. And then I'm going to finish those three messages of scriptures I gave you. The Lord is good, isn't it? We're going to do Isaiah 25 verse 8. See, they didn't know what the scripture says. Isaiah 25 and verse 8. He will swallow up death. They, they didn't know what he's going to do. You crucify me. Death can't keep me, boy. I'm going to swallow up death in victory. And in the Lord God will I wipe away all tears from our faces. The rebuke of his people shall be taken away from off the earth. For the Lord has spoken it. He said, I'm going to still take away their sins. You can do what you're doing. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, I'm not going to read the rest. All of it good. Let's go to Hosea chapter 13, verse 14. See if you just go right through the world. They didn't know. They didn't know that this same man that they kept messing with and said they're going to kill, this same man already told him, ain't, ain't, you, can't, you can't keep my body down. I'm going to rise again. Three days. Then you're going to look like fools. He, Hosea 13, 14. 
Because once you, if the, that's why the Bible said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, if, the, if they had a known, we'll go there, we'll go there, put that down. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If they had a known, start verse 7, when you go to 1 Corinthians 2. If they had a known, they wouldn't have crucified him. Because the only way he can get from being Jesus to get to Christ, Lord in Christ, he had to die. And if he died, he's going to fulfill scripture, and now you're going to make sure the power go increase. And you're not going to have just one of these Christ, you're going to have a whole lot of them. <laughs> Hosea chapter, Hosea 13, 14, that's what we at. Watch this. I would ransom them from the grave. Now you got, he's going to bring up other folk from the grave. You don't want to mess with this guy. He's going to ransom them from the grave, from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. Oh, death, I'll be your plague. So you sure you want to kill me? Oh, death, I'll be your plague. Oh, grave, I will be your destruction. That's why you don't have to worry about no death no more. You don't have to worry about no grave no more. When, the, when, that, took, when that brought Jesus in there, he made sure he got rid of it for your life. Somebody ought to give him praise in the house. Let, let, let me show you. I'm not playing with you. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 54. 1 Corinthians 15, 54. See, this is why you got to not let people tell you all this old stupid stuff, like you're going to have to be put in the grave, and, and when the Lord returns, and, and then we're going to get up with him, and we that great morning, just need to go somewhere and sit down. Take your handkerchief with you. You know, you know they got that big old long handkerchief. First Corinthians chapter 15. What verse I gave you? 54? Let's look at it. First Corinthians 15, 54. So this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, this mortal have put on immortality, then shall be brought the path of saying, watch this, death is swallowed up in victory. This is what happened when Christ died. Death was swallowed up in victory. That's what the scripture said in Hosea 13, 14. Death is fall up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? That means there's no death for the believer in Christ. There's no grave for the believer in Christ. Somebody ought to believe it. Got to get somebody ought to believe it. Man, I'm so glad that when I die, you not you can put my body in the grave, but you can't put my soul in the grave. My soul is already with the Lord. Hallelujah. That's what you got to be grateful for. And if he never raised from the dead and became both Lord and Christ, you didn't have that kind of power. That means he came inside of me, sealed my soul with the Holy Spirit, so when my body died, my soul said, bye-bye, I'm out of here. That's what happened to you if a plane fell. It doesn't make any difference. When that plane touched the earth, you got to be out of there. Now that may not help you, but it helps me. Every time I get on a plane, I touch the plane on the thing, and I thank God for the blood, because it's the blood of Christ Jesus that paid for my redemption. That means my salvation is paid for. But I paid for my own plane ticket, but he paid for my salvation. And whatever happened on that plane, my salvation is secured. My life is secure. I'm going to take you to the next service and I'm going to show you that I'm in the hiding place. I live in the hiding place. I live in the secret place of the Most High God. And you got to know who that is. That's Christ. God put you in the secret place. The hiding place. All that stuff come near you, but it came, it came, come near your dwelling. I'm going to show you that God, God hides when God puts you in Christ. He hears you from the storms of life. He hears you. So when death come looking for you, they'll find an empty tomb. They'll find an empty grave. That's why we sang that song, Safe. In his arm. That's where you are. Got to know where, where, where you are. When God puts you in Christ, you got to understand that ain't not a game. That's a reality. First Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 55. Oh, death, 
where's your sting? Oh, grave, where's your victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. See, we're going to do it all this month. This month will be Thanksgiving in this house. Every service will be hallelujah and thank you, Jesus. We're going to thank God for the whole month, every Sunday. Thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unbemovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That's why they were rejoicing. They were giving God thanks. All right, let's do the few we get there. You already should have that. Don't wait to ask for it. You know where I'm going next. Whatever you got, whatever you got, let's just do it. Let's go, whatever you got. Psalm 138.2. I to write my own note before they're in order. Psalm 138, verse 2. I don't know how hard that is to put one thing after another. Just like walking. Just like walking, put one foot in front of the other. Psalm 138, verse 2. Let's go to it. Psalm 138, verse 2. We'll do it on the screen. We'll do verse 1 and 2. This is Kayla. We'll do the first three verses. This is Sister Kelly. She had found us two verses in two Sundays here. Verse number one. Psalm 138 verse one. Here it is. Psalm 138 and verse one. I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praises to thee. I will worship towards your holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness. For thy truth. For thy truth, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. That's why I'm saying here we need to make sure we're worshiping Christ. Christ is the word of God. I will worship. Because God has put his word. He has magnified his word above all Thy name. All the name that you can know. God's word is over that now. Christ has all power. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Verse number three says, In the day when I cried, thou answered me and strengthened me with strength in my soul. Somebody always said, Thank the Lord. Amen. All right, now let's, let's do the next one. Already did John 29. Revelation 19, 13. <laughs> See, y'all trying to keep my notes and y'all notes. Y'all, they don't work. You got to get you a separate tablet just for my notes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, what did he say? What did I write there? John, uh, Revelation chapter 19. Here we go. Revelation chapter 19. Are you there? Verse 13. That's what we got on the screen. Here it is. And he was clothed with a vesta dipped in blood. And his name. Now wait a minute. Now remember. Let, let, hold your finger right there. Let me, go, let me start off Revelation chapter 1 verse 1 and 2. Just two verses. That you would know what John is trying to get us to. Look at Revelation, and we know Revelation was written to the Jewish believer, but it was called the Revelation of Jesus Christ. Well, why do you think it was called the Revelation of Jesus Christ, Pastor? Because he's trying to get everybody to know who Jesus really was. It wasn't just Jesus. God made him Christ. But he wanted to bring you back even further than that. He let you know Christ is the word of God. So in Revelation chapter 1, just the first two verses, we're going to do these. It says the revelation of Jesus Christ. Not just Jesus Christ, but the revelation of it. Who was Jesus Christ? I said the revelation of me, who was? Who really was Jesus Christ? He said, I'm giving you the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show to his servant John, things which must shortly come to pass. And he said and he signified by an angel to his servant John. John said, that's how I learned it. In verse 2, he told you, who bear record of the word of God. What did he bear record of? He bear record of Christ. 
He bear record of Christ. He's telling you about Christ. And the testimony. And his testimony. He's telling you about Christ and his testimony. What he did. And everything else he saw. That's what he gave you. Now let's go to the book of Revelation. You see it. Revelation chapter 19. And verse 13. He was clothed with a vesta. Dipped in blood. We're waiting on the screen. He was clothed with a vessel dipped in blood and his name is called it didn't say was. I said it didn't say was. I ain't got enough folk. I said he didn't say was. He said his name is called the word of God. Who is Christ? He's the word of God. And his name is called the word of God. His name is called the word of God. Let's go to verse 16. Why is that so important? Verse 16, same chapter, read it. And he has on his vesture and on his style a name written. What's his name now? See, if you're going to worship him, you got to know who he is. He's the word of God. He's Christ. He's almighty God. He is king of kings, all capital caps, all capital caps. I said they're all capital caps. I said they're all, come on, stand up on your feet. They're all capital caps. He is king of kings and he is lord of lords. My thing is, let's worship him in this house. Clap your hands. Come on, give him glory. Give him honor. Give him glory. Give him honor for who he is. Come on, he's king. He's the Lord. This is the man that takes care of you. This is your heavenly father. He's the one who already prepared everything for you, preserved everything for you. He has given you all victories over all things. This is the heir of all things. Your Lord is the heir of all things. And once you receive Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, God puts you in the covenant to make you an heir with him and a joint heir with his son. That's why Romans 8, 14 told you and through them verses said we are heir of God and are joined heir with Jesus Christ. So you got to make sure you're in Christ, man. And if you're in Christ, you got to begin to see him that the Bible said greater, say it greater, greater. Is, he is he that's in me, that's in, me. That's in my, that's in the world. You got to see him that way. See, that's how Paul said, Paul said, great is he that's in me, John. Great is he, he that's in me than he that's in the world. I can do all things through Christ with strength. He's the one that strengthens me. I am what I am. Christ is the grace of God. God's grace is sufficient. Christ is the grace of God. So you begin to realize who in here. All this other stuff gonna take gonna take care of itself. This is how you gotta live. First Corinthians chapter 15. And the more you exalt him, and the more you worship him and honor him as who he is, the more knowledge you have of him, the more knowledge you're gonna want of him and you move to a place of understanding and you begin to feel and notice how much the Spirit of God is moving in your life. See, the Spirit of God moves on the Word. And if you ever notice, always when you get in the Word, the Spirit of God, you can feel the Spirit. The Spirit is on the Word. First Corinthians chapter 15, come to this. First Corinthians chapter 15. This is what God did for you. This is the power. 
Moreover, brothers, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you have received and where you stand, by which also you are saved. If you keep in memory, watch this, what I preach unto you. Well, what did Paul preach? He preached Christ. He preached Christ crucified. He preached the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also received, how Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture. And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scripture. He preached Christ's death, Christ's burial, Christ's resurrection. That's who he preached. That's your salvation. Hey, my time is up. I thank you for yours. And the door of faith is open unto you. Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org. Ready for a spring break to remember? Amtrak's got just a ticket for you and your crew. With share fares, you and your friends can save up to 60%. The more who travel, the more you save. Skip the hassle of driving through the Northeast while exploring D.C., Philly, New York, and Boston. No middle seats and plenty of legroom are just an Amtrak away. And with stops right in the heart of your favorite cities, you'll arrive downtown, not out of town. Savings start with three travelers. Eight travelers required for 60% discount. Visit Amtrak.com slash share to book. Restrictions may apply.